So this morning we're going to conclude our series in Ephesians and we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 6 if you want to follow along with me. I'm reading in the NIV and it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Now, the Apostle Paul concludes... Uh, his letter to the book or to the church of Ephesus by addressing what is one of the most important lessons that you can learn as a Christian, and it's learning how to win your spiritual battles. And he says there in verse, uh, in, in, he begins there, he said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. How many of you know we are in spiritual battles, right? And then in John 10, 10, Jesus said this, he said, the thief comes, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. There, you know, it's no doubt that the Lord's main purpose is for us to have a, a blessed life, a victorious life, a, a, a God-filled grace life. But that's God's desire. But I'm convinced that before we can enjoy that kind of life that Jesus paid such a high price for, we got to learn how to do spiritual warfare. We got to learn how to win our battles spiritually. And so Paul reminds us that We face an invisible enemy that's uh, cunning, that is scheming, that is very, uh, he's very uh, uh, intentional about trying to hurt people. And and, uh, that most of our problems really can be traced back and connected to spiritual problems. And so we need to learn to fight and win our spiritual battles so that we can live that victorious life. So we can live that blessed life. And in verse 12, he said, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against flesh and blood, but it is against the rulers. And then he lists a series of demonic forces there. And so how do you win your spiritual battles? Well, you know, according to Paul, you have to dress for battle. You have to dress for battle. It's kind of like, you know, you don't go to Iraq with what you will wear to the beach in Destin. You got to dress for battle, right? And he says, you got to put on the full armor of God. And that's what he says in verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The armor of God, you know, is a picture that Paul drew from while he was being imprisoned in Rome. And, and they, they, it's believed that he was actually uh, handcuffed to a prisoner, you know, 24 seven. But while he's in prison, he's constantly uh, being reminded of how the natural soldier dressed. He sees it every day. And so while he's pinning this letter to the Ephesians and he's, t- he's wanting to prepare them for the spiritual battle that they're in, he uses the picture of a Roman soldier, uh, his armor as an analogy to describe how you and I should dress for our spiritual battles. 
And so according to Paul, there were six pieces of this armor that we must utilize to win our spiritual battles. And so the first one is if you want to win your spiritual battles, you have to strap on the belt of truth. And that's what he says in verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now, this belt wasn't the belt like we use today, this little narrow belt. But in, in biblical times, the belt held the soldier's armor together. It was the first thing he put on. And it served as a place to which all the, the rest of his armor hung. And so Paul first stressed the belt because it was the beginning of dressing for battle. And so he says the first thing here, his point is the first thing here, if you want to defeat the enemy, is you have to strap on the belt of truth. Strap on the belt of truth. So then, of course, the question is, what does that mean? Well, it means, you know, I'm sure it can mean various things. But whenever you think about strap on the belt of truth, I think, first of all, we need to walk in truth. We need to walk in truth. It means you have to walk in not truth according to the professors down there at UL. You got to walk in God's truth. Come on, how many of you know there's a, there's a thousand opinions out there, but all those opinions don't matter. It's God's opinion that will give you the victory when you're doing warfare. Amen? What is truth? It's what God says. God has truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So walking in God's truth is one of the main ways that we defeat the enemy. And we must always remember that before the enemy can defeat us, he's got to first of us, first of all, get us to buy into a lie. And then if we buy into a lie, then we're not walking in the truth and he can defeat us. That's what he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. Remember, he first he, he, he he's presented a lie to them. And as soon as they bought into it, that's when they got defeated. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 3 that the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God say you shall not from, eat from any tree? The woman said uh, to the serpent, you may eat of the, of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree. And in the middle of the garden, you shall not touch it or you shall die. Now, just a little side note. The Lord didn't tell her not to touch it. He said, don't eat. Verse four. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. There's the lie. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So basically he's saying, listen, God is not telling you the truth. If you do this, it's going to better you. It's going to make you more like him. That's why he don't want you to eat it. It's a lie. So the devil presented Adam and Eve with a lie. The lie was, was you won't die if you sin. How many of you know that's a lie? You, you're going to die if you sin. You're going to die physically. You're going to die mentally. You're going to die spiritually. You're going to die. And because they believe the lie, they lost their spiritual battle. So listen, folks, before we can win our spiritual battles, we have to walk in God's truth. Amen. And so we have to first believe what God says is true. Where are you going to find truth? The only place you're going to find truth is in the word. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free, right? Truth makes you free. So we got to commit our lives to the truth. We got to commit our lives to learning the truth and walking in the truth. You know, whenever I first got saved, I, I was still addicted to drugs. And I, I believe that I would always be addicted to drugs because everybody I knew, they didn't get sober. They were always, you know, high. So consequently... I could not get set free from drugs because I believed that lie that I couldn't be free. But then I learned the truth from God's word, which says, 
In Romans 6.14, this verse empowered me. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. How many of you know there's power in that verse right there? The truth is God can set you free from drugs. Can I get a witness this morning? And so, you know, whenever I first became a Christian, I believe all kinds of lies. Like, um, I believe that I was a failure and that I had absolutely no worth or value. I thought very, very little of myself. So consequently, I really struggled with self-worth and confidence. Everybody else can do good. Everybody else can succeed, but not me. But then I learned the truth. I read Psalm 139. Verse 14, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. And I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. Now, whenever I read that and heard somebody describe that, the Lord don't make mistakes. He don't have blue Mondays. He don't build a bad cabinet in his workshop. Come on, how many of y'all with me this morning? And so you see, whenever the truth began to penetrate the lies of the enemy, it changed me. It changed the way that I saw myself. And you listen, you got to strap on the belt of truth if you're going to win your spiritual battles. There's not a, there's not a guy out there that wears a suit. You know, with the pitchfork and the horns. And there's not a guy that shows up knocking on your door. I'm telling you, you don't know he's knocking on your door. He don't know. You don't know when he walks right into your bedroom and lays right beside you in your bed and whispers lies to you. You got to know the truth if you're going to win the battle. Amen. So the first thing we got to do is we got to strap on the belt. Number two, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Now, in Ephesians 6, 14, he said, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place. So the second piece of armor was this breastplate. It was a, it was a body shield that covered the vital organs. And it was this oblong shield. And so uh, and the shield, Paul said, was the shield of righteousness. Now, righteousness is the breastplate. It covers your organs and it's part of the spiritual armor. Once you put truth on, you need to put righteousness on. And so to defeat the enemy, you put on righteousness, walk in righteousness, embrace righteousness. Now, of course, what does that mean to put on righteousness? Well, I think it can mean two things. One thing it can mean is you got to put on. It means you got to live your life. In right standing with God, right? Righteousness means right standing with God. And so one of the ways that Satan tries to defeat us is by constantly attacking our sense of righteousness. And so uh, to spiritually weaken us, Satan uses some weapons like guilt and condemnation. Guilt means he'll show up while you're worshiping right here and say, you don't have any right to lift up your hands to the Lord. I mean, didn't you cuss last week? I know none of you do that. I was talking about somebody else. No, did, didn't you just, didn't you just tell somebody, else, how dare you come to church? And he'll try to make you so guilty, feel so guilty. Listen, whenever you were five years old, didn't you 
talk back to your mama and he'll try to remind you of everything you've ever done in your life. He'll, he'll try to strap you with guilt and he'll condemn you and saying you're not worthy to stand up in the presence of God. But come on, how many of you know those weapons are his weapons, they're not God's, all right? And whenever you're straddled with guilt and condemnation, and every once in a while, I'll talk to somebody and they're in church and they want to serve God, but they can't seem to get away from their past. And they say, man, I made some bad choices. Well, when did you make? Oh, that was five years ago. It was three years ago. It was two years ago. It was 10 years ago. Well, man, listen, have you heard of forgiveness? Come on, how many of you know? Listen, we need to know the power of the cross, amen? And so 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How many of you glad that he took our sin? Amen. So listen, to win your spiritual battle, you have to become confident about the grace of God, the forgiveness of God that washes away our sin and gives you a fresh start every morning. Amen. To put on the breastplate of righteousness, I believe, also means you have to live your life uprightly. You have to live uprightly. See, when, when Satan attacked Adam and Eve, he tried to get them and he tried to lure them in sin. And he succeeded, by the way. But you got to know that there's lifestyle warfare, brothers and sisters. And there's an enemy. Sometimes we say, I feel like doing this. It's not you that feels like doing this. It's the enemy that is enticing you to feel like doing this. And he's trying to get you over there in sin because he knows if he can get you in sin, he weakens you and he can defeat you. And so right standing with God means you got to live up in holiness. Amen. Are y'all with me? Jesus, listen, Romans 8, 1 said, there's no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Listen, your past is the past. Move forward, man, and enjoy the righteousness of Christ that he puts. He took the most filthy rags off of you, and he puts a new, a coat of righteousness on you. Amen? Come on, listen, you don't have to be held by and, and just bound by sin's power. Come on, Jesus became sin for us so we could be the righteousness of God. Amen? If you agree with that, say amen. The third piece of armor we need to put on is the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. And that's what he says in verse 14. Stand firm there with a belt of truth buckled around your waist with a breastplate of righteousness in place. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, Paul says you got to get fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, the Roman soldier wore half boots. And these half boots had nails like cleats on the bottom of them. And those cleats were kind of like athletes today. They're used to give the soldiers stability and good footing on rough terrains. And so there's a picture there. His shoes gave him the stability he needed to fight the battle. Come on, how many of you know you got to be stable to fight the battle? And so when Satan tries, I think what Paul is saying here is peace is a weapon that we need to use in our lives to fight our spiritual battles. Sometimes we're so in an upheaval, we're so all over the place that we walk right into the enemy's plans and tactics. So we need to shod our feet with peace. We need to overcome his spiritual attack by walking in peace. How many of you know, stay in the place of peace. 
Put the sandals of peace on you. Don't let people get you out of peace. Amen. Where does the peace come from? He says there, put on the gospel, the, the sandals of the gospel of peace. Where does peace come from? It comes from the good news of the gospel. I mean, you know, the, the gospel will give you peace. The gospel will help you have peace in your life. Amen. And so I believe to have peace, you got to focus on God's truth. You know, what did Jesus say? Peace. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives I unto you. Don't let your heart be troubled or neither let it be fearful. Do you know there's people that are just being paralyzed by fear this morning? They might not get five drops of rain all this whole Hurricane Harvey, but they're in their house when they're so riddled with fear and worry and anxiety and the enemy's defeating them right now. But come on, you got to put on peace. Come on, I'm talking to somebody in this room right now. Come on, you got to strap on the sandals of peace. My peace I leave with you. How many of you know his peace surpasses all understanding? And when you walk in peace, you're going to be able to be the soldier that God wants you to be. And you're not just going to, you're not going to jump off the cliff because the roaring line says, rawr. I know that doesn't sound very spiritual, but if Penelope was in here, she would appreciate that, right? So the fourth piece of armor that we need to utilize is take up the shield of faith. 16, verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, the Roman soldier, he, he used this shield and it was like four foot by four foot and it was they actually used two shields. Sometimes they would have the sword and the shield when they, they had close comeback. But they also had this longer shield and they would either put wood in it or sometimes they would put tar in it. And so whenever uh, the, the adversary or the enemy would throw these darts, these flaming arrows, they'd catch them on fire. They'd wrap them and put, you know, something flammable. They'd catch them on fire and they'd, 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 they'd sling them at the enemy. And of course, everything it hit, it would catch on fire. And so the the uh, the soldier would have these shields, and when the flaming arrow would come, they just hold up that shield, and the arrow would hit that shield, and either the wood, the soft wood, or the tar would just make it go out. And so that's the picture he's using right here when he says, "Take up the shield of faith." It was vital to the soldier because he could he could crouch behind that shield, and he was protected by it. And likewise, the shield of faith for us, works the same way. Our shield protects us from the flaming arrows of the enemy. And how many of you know, he don't throw physical darts anymore, but he, th he throws thoughts. He throws ideas. Come on, he, he throws lies at us. He throws discouragement at us. He throws his thoughts of, of, of moving into the dark world and living in the dark world. How do you extinguish those arrows? You hold up your shield of... That's how you do it. And so 1 John 5, 4 says, you know, what is faith? It's trusting and depending on God, right? But 1 John 5, 4 says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. And so one of the ways that we win our spiritual battles is whenever the enemy throws all these thoughts of, you know, you're going to sink, you're going to fall apart, you're not going to make it. You pull up your shield of faith and say, no, 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 in the name of Jesus, I'm going to make it. Amen. Remember in Hebrews 11, the, 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 um, the hall of faith. And in Hebrews 11, you can read about all these miracles that many, many people performed because they held up their shield of faith. And it lists them over and over again. 
And it reveals the power of the shield of faith. Listen to Hebrews 11.32. And what more shall I say? For time will fill me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms. They performed acts of righteousness. They obtained promises, shut the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong because mighty in war put foreign armies to fly. Come on, how many of you know you need to pick up? He says, pick it up. Carry it. Hold it up. Your shield of faith. Don't leave it on the ground. Don't leave home without it. Bring it with you wherever you go. Come on. You can be a Christian and hold it. Your, your shield can be stuck under your bed somewhere. But come on. You got to hold it up and say, no, no, no. I'm not going down. I'm going over. Come on. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm, I'm victorious. I can do all things through Christ. I hold up my shield when the enemy says you're done or you can't make it. God's word says I will make it. I I will succeed and I will be victorious. The shield protects me from the arrows of the enemy. Amen. The fifth piece of armor we need to put on is the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. Now, with the four other pieces of armor in place, truth, righteousness, the truth, belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of peace, and the shield of faith, we must now put on another piece that protects a vulnerable target and it's the helmet of salvation now obviously the soldier's helmet was obviously important because any hit in the head could just take him out and so um, if the soldier got hit in the head they were now useless and they couldn't win the battle and so paul's looking at this soldier that he's tied to and he's looking at the helmet i, I think it probably went something like this okay we are soldiers in the kingdom of god this is a soldier in the Romans army. He's dressed for battle. How does the Christian dress for battle? Because our battle is not against other soldiers. Our battle is not against other people. Our battle is not against somebody of an opposite race. Of an op opposite political party. Come on, I'm going to hit it somewhere in there. Our battle is not against our next door neighbors or our co-workers. Our battle is against demonic forces. And so he's looking at the soldier and he says, how can I prepare the church to successfully win the battle? Because just because they're in church doesn't mean they're going to win their battle. And he said, they need to put this helmet on. A helmet of salvation. And I believe what that means is you got to protect your thought life. How, how do you become a racist? It's because you've got planted with some bad thoughts in your mind. That's how you become a racist. Come on, somebody needs to help me preach this morning. Some of you have been preaching on Facebook. Help me preach right here. Isn't that right, saints? Where in the scripture you find any place to be hateful? It's thoughts. It's flaming arrows that have penetrated the minds. you got to put on the helmet of salvation. How does the enemy make you discouraged and make you feel like you're never going to win in life? He plants these seeds in your mind. you got to protect your thought life. you got to put on the helmet of salvation. Our minds are, and thought life are the battleground of the enemy. So when he seen that, when he looked at that soldier and saw that helmet, he's like, man, this is a key right here. See, the enemy has innumerable amounts of, of thoughts and lies that he'll try to hurl at you. 
But the helmet of salvation reminds us we must learn to take those thoughts captive. I can't allow those thoughts to build a case in my mind. Listen, I can't let birds build their nests in my hair. It's not, it's not good. Amen. Come on. And so 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapon of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know, listen, I've learned I don't have to keep dwelling on negative thoughts if I don't want to. I can pull those down and think on positive thoughts. Listen, when somebody says something that is cutting or hurting and, and that, that is offensive, I don't have to go home and think about that and dwell on that and have myself a pity party. I've learned I can put the helmet of salvation on and be delivered from that spiritual attack. Yeah. It's good. Isn't it good? I can cast down those negative thoughts of defeat and failure. So to win your spiritual battles, you must put on the helmet of salvation and learn to take every thought captive. You know, run it through uh, Philippians is Philippians four, whatever is good, noble, right, pure. Think on these things and the peace of God will guard your heart. If it's not one of those, you shouldn't be thinking about it. Come on, you shouldn't be thinking. Say, oh, it don't fit the criteria. It doesn't fit the sifter. It's not praiseworthy, it's not godly, it's not uplifting, and I don't need to give it credence in my mind. I need to cast those birds out right now in the name of Jesus. I need to put a sign over the door that says, full, no more thoughts allowed, amen. And come on, that's how you're going to win the battle. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Come on, the, the enemy wants to defeat us. God wants us to win our spiritual battles. He came so that we might have life. But I found you can be a Christian and not be experiencing a victorious life. You can be defeated if you don't learn how to guard your mind. Amen? Now, the sixth piece of armor is the sword of the Spirit. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. This is the first offensive weapon. And the Word of God is offensive. And so we must utilize it in order to win our spiritual battle. It's like, don't go to war without your weapon. You know, listen, I mean, it's great if you got a shield you can hide behind, but it's better if you can throw something back at the enemy. Come on, it's better if you can shoot back when he shoots at you. Amen? Come on, it's better if you can just retaliate with the spiritual weaponry that God has given you. You know, you know, I... I know some of you don't have a clue what I'm talking about, but some of you that are a little bit older, you know, Borny Fife, you know, he was a great, he's a great, he's a great example, you know, and, and Borny Fife is like, you know, he had a weapon, he didn't know what to do with that thing, you know, and, and he didn't even get a bullet for his gun. It's like, oh no, that's trouble. Well, come on, you know, sometimes we're like Borny Fife, man, we're out there trying to win battles, but we're not even using our weaponry. Come on, pull out the sword. Come on, pull out the sword. And what he says is that take up the helmet of salvation and the sword. In other words, he's saying, don't leave it on the ground. Take it up. Take it up. And so I wonder how many soldiers we have in God's army that are swordless. They're swordless. And they're getting pounded by the enemy. And they're saying, man, I thought God was more powerful than the enemy. Grab your sword. 
pull up your sword, man of God, woman of God. Come on. You got to use your sword. Amen. And listen, this is how Jesus defeated the enemy. When the enemy came at him throwing those flaming arrows, he didn't say, well, my opinion is, well, you know what I believe is. He, he didn't tell the enemy what he believed and what his opinion was. What he told them was God's opinion and what God believes. Amen. He quoted the word of God. How do you defeat the enemy? You use the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Amen. Come on, the sword exposes the lies of the enemy. It also has the ability to keep my thought life in line. So when my thought life is going off track, I know, listen, I need to pull those thoughts back and quit letting the enemy defeat me with these lies he's planning in my mind. Amen. But it also has the ability to judge the, the motives and the attitudes and the intentions of my own heart. Cause sometimes I got the wrong motivation. I've got the wrong attitude and I'm playing right into the hands of the enemy. But the word of God is sharp and it exposes the wrong motives of my heart. Come on. How many of you know that the Bible was given so we could read it, but also so it could read us? Amen. The word of God is not for information. It's for transformation. The Bible was given to us to change our stinking thinking and to get our heart back on the right track so we're living like uprightly before the Lord with that breastplate on us so that we can go into the enemy's territory and not leave defeated. Amen. So the Word of God gives me power to protect myself. And I believe God wants us to be victorious. How many of you believe that? So let's just, let's conclude. How does, what, he says, first of all, if you want to dress for battle, don't go out in your flip-flops and your tank top and your, and your Ray-Bans. That ain't how you're going to beat the enemy. Those are worldly weapons, right? He says, strap on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Strap on the sandals of peace. And by the way, lift up your shield of faith. And then put on your helmet of salvation and then grab your sword of the Spirit and you're going to be ready to do war. Amen? Amen, amen, amen. Come on, how many of you feel like a soldier this morning? Amen. And so, you know, the armor has limited power without the infusion of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he says in verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Come on, your shield is going to work better if you pray. Your sword is going to work better if you pray. 
Your helmet is going to work better if you pray. Come on, how many of you know the Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord is the infusion of your armor, amen? Come on, I think it puts that stuff, you know, that's, uh, I forget what it's called, Cavalar or whatever, you know, bulletproof stuff. Come on, the Holy Spirit can just cover all your shield, all your armor with bulletproof stuff, amen? And give it more power and grace. And so God wants you to live not being robbed and stolen from from the thief. He wants you to walk in his power and his presence. He came that you might have life and you might have it abundantly. Amen. Would you do me a favor and let's stand together. Now listen, you know all these this armor. It's not natural armor. Remember Paul was using a natural soldier to make a spiritual a spiritual analogy. And all these things that the Christian is supposed to dress with, it's spiritual armor. And so listen, you can't really put on spiritual armor until you become born again, born of the Spirit. And that's what Jesus told Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus said, man, how can I enter uh, the kingdom of God? And he said, you got to be born again. You got to be born of the Spirit. And he's like, well, I'm old. How can that? I'm not talking about natural birth, Nicodemus. I'm talking about a spiritual birth. You got to be born again. You got to have a spiritual birth. You got to be, you got to be born of the Spirit of the living God. And so you could be in church, but not born again. You could still be outside of the spiritual provision of God. But the Lord doesn't want anybody to be outside. He wants everybody to be inside. And like Nicodemus, I think he would tell all of us in this room today, you must be born again. Not just go to church. You got to be born again. You got to be saved. You got to pray and ask the Lord to forgive your sins. You got to invite Him to come into your heart and be your Lord and your master. And then now you're ready to put on the armor of God. Would you just bow with me for just a moment? If you're here today and you say, Todd, I've never prayed that prayer. I don't know for sure that I'm a Christian. I've never been born again, but I don't want to leave this building without doing that. Would you pray a special prayer for me? Because I needed to hear this today. Just lift your hand right where you are. And I want to pray for you. Just lift it up high so I can see it. Don't be ashamed. Don't let the enemy hold you. I see your hand right back here. Anywhere else, just lift it up. Just hold it up for me for just a moment. Ma'am, I see your hand right here. Anybody else? Ma'am, right here, I see your hand. Sir, right over here, I see your hand. Anybody else? Just lift your hand. Come on. This is between you and the Lord. It's you and Him today. And He's saying, listen, I want you to be a soldier in my family. Listen, those of you that raised your hands, I want you to just raise the other one out. Just We're going to all pray this prayer together and just say this from your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood so I could be saved, so I could be born again. Lord, I want to live the Christian life. I want to be a soldier. I want to be born of the Spirit so I can walk in the Spirit, so I can live in the Spirit. Lord, would you forgive me for all my sins, all my mistakes? Lord, I want to live for you. Would you fill me with your presence? Fill me with your power so I can live the Christian life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now listen, those of you that raised your hand, we're not going to embarrass you. But listen, this is very important. It's important for you. There's a card in your pew that says, I made a decision. Fill that card out. 
and bring it to somebody up here that is that is uh, praying for people and just tell them, I pray that prayer with Pastor Todd. The Bible says if you confess me before man or bring it into the lobby and bring it up to the, to the folks that are in there and say, I prayed that prayer. We got a gift for you. But what's more important than the gift is you saying, I made a decision for the Lord today. Amen? Come on. How many of you are great? How many of you are grateful you're a Christian today? Come on, soldier. Put on the armor of God. Amen. Let's pray together. I just want to pray a blessing over you. I pray the day that the favor and the grace and the blessing and the touch of God would be on the people of God today. Lord, I pray that you give them divine opportunities. I pray that you protect them from the wiles and the evil ones. I pray every one of them that is under spiritual attack, I pray that you would break its power, break its hold. Lord, we declare right now, no weapon formed against them shall prosper. We pray all this in the mighty and the strong name of Jesus. And everybody that agreed said... Amen. God bless you.